Welcome to REI Spotlight with your host, David Schwan, and our guest today is Sandia Sasadri. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on your show. Uh, it's such an honor to be here. Uh, my name is Sandia, and uh, I am an electrical engineer by profession. I have uh, got a master's in electrical engineering, and I worked for over a decade at uh, Texas Instruments in Dallas, after which uh, I also got my MBA and got quite a bit into the stock market. And then from the stock market is what I wanted to get into real estate, but was hesitant about uh, getting into single family rentals because I didn't want to deal with the tenants, toilets and trash kind of issues. <laughs> I wasn't a very handy person myself. So, you know, it was just wasn't my cup of tea. So when I heard from a friend that I could be a small piece of a multifamily investment where they have third party property management and I can be pretty hands off on it. Uh, that's what got me into multifamily. So now I'm all about apartment syndications uh, on the passive side and a little bit on the GP side as well. And uh, my main focus and target market is Dallas. Awesome. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show. And I'm pretty sure that we'll be able to uh, help educate our listeners and, and you know get a little bit of your story out there. And I'm pretty sure with the seasoning that you've had, definitely pass on some great advice to my listeners and to help them along in their journey. Um, what, uh, uh, besides the, the fact of being able to not have to worry about, you know, the, the, the trash and the toilets and the tenants, um, what are some of the other things that got you so enamored and, and made you, what drew you into that multifamily space? Well, you know, we all drive around and see these apartments. And I always imagined billionaires like our President Donald Trump kind of wealthy people are the ones who can buy them. So I was very intrigued when a friend said, hey, just like you're investing your money in Amazon stock or Google stock, you know, you can go get a piece of an apartment and you don't have to worry about the day-to-day -day operations. You can just invest a small amount of money in it. And then the Syndicator will take care of everything for you and you just keep waiting for your mailbox check, so to speak, or these days ACH to arrive and you're all <laughs> set. So it's just like you're passively investing in the stock market by buying a company stock. This is very similar to that in concept, except you get to actually ask questions of the CEO and you get to actually say, what are you doing about operations? And if it's located where you live or in your uh, geographic area, you can actually drive by and see what's happening there. So it's pretty interesting. It's like, okay, the pilot is driving the plane, but he's allowing you to get a sneak peek into the cockpit if you want. But otherwise, yeah. you can just sit back and enjoy the ride. Yeah. When, when you buy Google stock, that doesn't come with an invitation to go to Google headquarters, you know. But, you know, yeah. if, you're, if you're part of, a, you know, if you're part of a 150 unit that's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a couple miles away from your house, mm -hmm. you you can at least go drive through the driveway without even having to talk to anybody. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. you can go see it. You can, you know, put your hands on it and, and, and there's not a whole lot of red tape or, uh, you know, they're, they're not looking at you. Uh, most of the time they're gonna, not going to look at you like, why are you here? You know, you just drive and you see it and it's a physical asset that you, you get to, you, you get to see when you, when you want to, especially if it's something that's local. Mm -hmm. Um, what are, uh, since you you do mostly 
passive, what are some of the things that you look for when you're uh, when you're evaluating a deal or evaluating a, a sponsor that you're going to partner with? What are some of the key things that you look for? The number one thing is always the sponsor or sponsorship team. You have to know, like, and trust them. Um, I actually do background checks. I try to see their history of uh, bankruptcies, that kind of stuff. But the most important thing is their actual track record. Everyone sounds phenomenal on social media. Everybody is perfect on social media, right? (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Don't they just look great? Aren't they hard workers? Don't they have the perfect background for this deal? And isn't (laughs) the deal of the century that you don't want to miss out? We all know that. Well, now, well, it's yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's like the offering memorandums that that yeah. the that the brokers yeah. give you. Every single yeah. property is a is a shiny, gleaming, uh, you know, beautiful little thing, and it's like, well, yeah. let's dig a little bit deeper than just the wrapping. Exactly. So when you start unwrapping this package, the first question I ask is, please list all the properties that you have operated yourself as a syndicator. And let me know the names of these properties, the locations, how long you've owned them, and then the actual performance. So we all have watched these webinars where they talk about the perfect returns and you'd be a fool not to invest in this deal. Well, let's see, how did you say this property was gonna perform at your initial webinar and how has it done in the last, you know, several quarters since you owned it? And if you just bought your first property last month, that's great. Tell me if you have any partners with a stronger track record, whose track record I would actually like to see in that specific market. Like maybe you've done really well in Phoenix, but now you're moving into another market. Well, who's your local boots on the ground there? Who's got the knowledge of that market? Besides just all the data that we all look at, you have to actually know these submarkets really well to be able to operate successfully in them. So that's important to me. Also, if this is a brand new team getting together, has the team worked together before cohesively? Do you have all your roles uh, delineated very nicely so that there isn't any personality clash or other issues? Are you clear on your business plan, et cetera? But the most important thing is their track record and references from any existing passive investors who are very happy with their distributions on all your properties. And be open about any deals that haven't done well And what are you doing to turn them around? And if they were bad for a couple of quarters and did better afterwards, that's great news. But if not, okay, everyone has had some drop in collections from COVID. How are you working on your delinquencies? Do you have those asset management skills as we are continuing in this COVID era for me to invest my hard-earned money with you, right? So vetting a sponsor is extremely important. Next to that is the target market itself. So I invest only in markets that I know. So I know the Dallas area really well. I've lived here for over 30 years uh, in Dallas, Texas. So that's the market I prefer to invest in. It doesn't mean South Carolina or Atlanta or Phoenix aren't great markets. It's just, I don't know as much about them. So if you know those markets well, that really helps. Make sure the sponsor knows those markets, has experience in those markets. And then, you know, then you look at other little factors in the market itself. So now we're getting from the sponsor side to the deal itself. So what are the market analysis, job growth, population growth, median household income, uh, the diversity of jobs there. So that's your market analysis, right? Then the deal numbers itself. Anyone can promise phenomenal returns based on one metric called the reversion cap or the exit cap. 
So this is the cap rate at which the property is going to be sold when the full cycle is done and they're ready to exit this investment. So by predicting a different number for it, that returns on your uh, property can completely change. So let's say I'm promising you a seven reversion cap, which means when I exit this property in Dallas market, I'm going to sell it. I'm expecting it to be at a seven cap in five years, 2025. If I change that even by half a point to six and a half, your returns could change from 80% to 120%. It's insane, yeah. depending on uh, how you do your numbers, okay? So how realistic is that projection of this exit cap? That's just one metric for you to look at. So look at our data, look at other market reports. What are they predicting the cap rates to be five years from today in that market? If you want to get to a specific metric, right? Take the reversion cap. Well, in Dallas, they're telling me that it's going to be between five and a half and 5.75. So if someone tells me that in five years, they're going to be able to sell a property at a five cap, that's way more aggressive than someone telling me they're going to sell their property at a seven cap and still give me these returns. So I look yeah. for conservative underwriting. And so one metric is exit cap rate. So the exit cap rate needs to be at least one point, one basis point above the entry cap rate. So today, what is the cap rate at which properties are being sold? A cap rate is based on the net operating income divided by the value of the property, right? That's the cap rate. Yes. So if your cap rate today at purchase is six, then you plan for an exit cap of at least seven in five years when you sell the property. That to me is conservative. If your entry cap at purchase and your exit cap are both the same, that's too aggressive for me. That's just one metric in your deal analysis, right? That can completely Definitely. change your returns. So if it, there's nothing else you want to look at, look at that exit cap and entry cap and say, is this reasonable and realistic? Because that it, can change your returns. Definitely. And I, I think understanding, you know, exactly, you know, being able to dig in and, and asking those questions of those deal sponsors and then being able to explain how they got to those numbers and, and what is driving those numbers that, you know, if you're going to invest in this, you know, you definitely have to have a certain, you, you know, it, it's, it's said passive investing. And, and that is a little bit of a misnomer because, you know, it's like in the beginning, it's not passive, you know, hopefully after you get in there, you know, it can become passive, but you still have to have your own due diligence and your own amount of work on the front side to make sure that who you're investing with. And like you said, the, you know, the, the sponsor, the market, the particular project, that those all line up and that you understand fully exactly what you're trying to get into. If you're not too much of a numbers person, don't worry so much about it other than asking the basic question of, now that you've presented me with this webinar, with this beautiful spreadsheet of numbers, explain to me how you justify each number. So one of the fundamental numbers is rent bumps. How can you justify increasing the rent for this property in this market? How do you do that? You look at the comparisons, right? You look at the comparative properties all around that. Now, when you look at a broker's point of view, they're going to selectively pick the comps or com comparative <laughs> properties that make this particular property look really attractive. 
because they're going to say, oh, this property is way below the market. And look at these examples. And it's as a detective, what we have to do is say, are those truly the com comparative properties we should be looking at? Or should we be looking at the property right next door to it, right across the street from it, that was built at this about the same time as this property? Yeah. So we have different classes of property. An A-class property is something built in the last decade, pretty recent. A C-class property is something built in the 70s. And a B is something that's built in the 80s. So let's say we're analyzing the C-class property that was built in the 70s. Uh, rent comp should not be an A-class brand new building that was built <laughs> down the street, you know? So of course, it's going to have a much higher rent than your C-class property, which has fewer amenities. So when you when they say, oh, this property is priced so much below market, we're going to increase the rents by $200 a unit, et cetera. You have got to see if the com comps are real, are actual apples to apples, right? So that yeah. could make all the difference. So you have to have your sponsor explain and justify each of those. But if you know that market, then that gives you that advantage because you already know, okay, in Dallas, in this neighborhood, this is about the rent you would pay for a two-bedroom apartment. You already kind of know that. And you can certainly yeah. look that up. But remember, the age and amenities of the apartment make a huge difference to the rent and what that sub-market can support in terms of the median household income. Median is very different from average. So an average can be skewed if one millionaire like President Donald Trump moves into your neighborhood. You know, that's yeah, gonna that, completely that really skew throws it your off. average, right? So uh, average is very different from median. So definitely look for median household income within a one mile radius. as just one example of a metric to look for. Definitely, and, and you hit on a very key point that, you know, it, those uh, those comparables have to be relatively close in, you know, geography and relatively close in age. Like you said, you know, if, uh, you know, if the property that you're being compared to is five miles away and 10 years newer, that's not a good comparable. And especially like, you know, if they've, you know, been upgraded or if it's, you know, fully rehabbed or whatever, you know, the differences, it's like you said, you know, Pay attention to make sure that those are apples, apples to apples comparison. And even if you are a distance investor, you know, we're lucky to be in this age. Well, you know, it's like, look, you have a computer, look it up. Most of that stuff is very easy to find and just kind of understand, you know, you just need to, to understand what exactly they're saying and make sure that the numbers that they are presenting you are are cohesive and they're, they're not trying to compare it to something that's way too far away and not in the same class. Yeah. <clears throat> One analogy I really like is imagine this is like a flight and you are tra trusting that the pilots know what they're doing and they know where they're going. So you're basically taking the time to make sure you like the destination. You've scoped the destination and you've decided Hawaii is where you want to go on vacation, not I don't know, Midland, Odessa, for example. <laughs> so you've bought your tickets. There's nothing wrong with Midland, Odessa. It's just, you may not choose it's to- It's not Hawaii. There, and it's not necessarily the place you might pick for your you know, vacation. So now you've decided that Hawaii is your destination. So that's sort of like a comparison to what's your target market. You've decided to invest in Phoenix. You've decided to invest in Dallas, whatever that is. You've scoped it. You've done a little bit of homework. This is a great place. This is my destination. Okay, so that's your first step. 
The next step is I'm going to pick an airline that's got a history of flights there, a brand new airline starting out a startup. I'm not going to book my flight to Hawaii with that. Uh, I, I would rather go with an airline that's got many flights to Hawaii. If a flight is canceled, I'm not stuck there because of mechanical problems because they don't have another aircraft. So then that's the next thing that you do. You buy your ticket, right? And you make sure they hire pilots who know what they're doing. And you follow the rules, you read up on a few things, you pass through your security check, and here you are ready to enjoy your ride. So that's sort of the same analogy and homework that you do. You make sure your destination, your target market is great, but you also make sure the airline that you pick and the pilots are really good so you get where you want to go. Same way, you vet your sponsors thoroughly, you look up their track record, you make sure um, they are going to be able to successfully operate this property. So you get the projected returns, you get distributions, et cetera. So same, very similar. But think about how much homework you did the last time that you bought an appliance for your home or bought a new car for that matter, right? <laughs> so yes. multifamily investments are a decent amount of money. Typically, they start around $50,000 per investment. Some can start you lower, but that's still a significant amount of money. So the, if you did the homework up front and you know, okay, I know say American Airlines is going to get me to Hawaii, no problem. Most flights go on time. And if they don't, they'll put me on another flight. They have enough aircraft. It's sort of like that. And I know Hawaii is a great destination. I'm happy. So same way, once you vet that sponsor and you look their track record and everything up front, okay, this is a great sponsor and I like the way they handle this market. I'm set. That's how you do your yep. passive investment. And especially once you complete a full cycle and you get your distributions, you get your money back, that builds more confidence. But each time you learn something and depending on how active you want to be, you can study the property. You can see the rehabs they do as they give you monthly reports. I really like learning about something new that they're doing in each property. Even though I don't invest actively in all of them, I do passive investments. Um, I have 17 passive investments, actually. So I really like to see what they do. And then in my three active deals, I go and see what ideas make sense for my deals. So it's a good way to learn as well. And and, and definitely. And, and being... You know, being an LP that that gives you, especially if you're new, that gives you the opportunities to to look and see. Especially if you're, you know, if you're joining on with somebody that has that that great track record, and you know, even if you're aspiring to be on that GP side, you know that that's what you want to be. I still strongly suggest that you should be an LP first, so at least that way, and especially with a strong and a good operator, somebody that, you know, their track record has shown that they they get returns and that they know what they're doing, that they've, you know, taken multiple properties full cycle, they've been through some ups and downs. And, you know, maybe you, you know, maybe with somebody that has that such high caliber, maybe you're not getting the same returns that somebody else is promising, but you get to look under the hood and you get to experience exactly what a great GP does, you know, so that way you have a model and, you know, and an education that, you know, yes, people can teach you and, and there are certainly, you know, very good educators out there. There's a bunch of bad ones too, but you know, it, it, uh, in other words, you know, because if you're, uh, th there's a key, if you're looking for education, vet them even harder than you do the sponsors, um, you know, but you know, there's, there's people out there, but you'll get an education and, and, you know, and also if everything goes 
correctly and, you know, some strange virus doesn't pop up and, you know, completely <laughs> wreck, wreak havoc, you know, yeah. you get to learn, you get to learn how, how it's done the right way. And you get to see from an investor standpoint, okay, this is how they do it. So that way you can model what you're doing down the road mm-hmm. after somebody that, you know, because they say success leaves clues. Mm-hmm. Well, when you hop onto somebody that has that track record, when you hop onto and invest in one of their deals, you're getting to see the clues that success leaves. I also like to invest in markets you're interested in. So if one day you want to be an operator yourself, you're already learning things relevant to that market. So whether it's weather conditions that can affect your property, uh, what's some more key care about in that lo- local market, you know, what you care about in Dallas, you know, solar screens might be important, air conditioning might be important, versus, you know, if your property is in Minnesota, the concerns might be quite different. Uh, <laughs> and also, you know, always invest in landlord-friendly states, that's a big one. Uh, be aware of the market conditions there and the changing demographics that would affect your um, apartment community in particular. Um, another tip I give passive investors is um, make sure that you also manage expectations with the sponsor. If your goal is to learn from this experience so you can do your own deal, not every sponsor is as open to sharing about all of their details, et cetera, with you. So make sure if that is your goal, tell them upfront, hey, I really want to do another deal here myself one day in this market. Can I sort of look over your shoulder and learn from you? Don't assume that they'll share all their information with you upfront. Yeah, so. definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, I I agree with that. You know, if you're, you know, it, it's it's kind of that relationship. You know, if even you know on a LP side, you know, this is is you know I I kind of equate it to being married or at least being in a relationship. It's like, look, you know, do your due diligence with these people because you know most likely you know most deals you're going to be tied to them for five years. That's mm-hmm. A long time, especially if it's somebody that, you know, you hold around on them and then you find out that you really don't like them that much. And it's like, well, I still got to put up with this person for another four and a half years because that's another thing is, you know, make sure that you, you're, you're comfortable. You don't necessarily have to like, but, you know, at least comfortable with the people that you're partnering with. Yeah. And, um, it's very important for you to manage expectations upfront on all these investments. Um, the other important thing about real estate investments is that your money is not liquid. So if you need the money in the next six months, I would not recommend putting it in an apartment. Um, that's why one of the ways that I invested in so many deals is I have my retirement account from other uh, previous employers that I was able to roll into a EQRP, which is a type of solo 401k. So a lot of my investments in apartments I did from that money, which I cannot otherwise use on my own syndications anyway. So that's a great way to take your retirement account and invest those funds, if you like, to invest passively, to learn the business, to develop a relationship with different sponsors, see who you like best so that maybe you can identify your future partner, et cetera. But retirement funds are, again, funds that you're not counting on using in the near term. So they lend themselves well for the long term, which is what real estate is about. It's at least three to five years, the typical investment, if not longer. And especially with COVID, a lot more deals I'm seeing these days, they're saying it's more like six or seven years before you get your money back. So, you know, understand that and make sure you have six months of living expenses saved 
and uh, don't use that for your um, real estate investment, thinking, okay, maybe there's a CARES Act provision here. I can take it out of my retirement and put it back in less than three years. No, you may not get your money back within three years on a real, real estate investment. So uh, please understand when you'll really get your money back. And uh, remember that because of COVID, things can get postponed by six months or a year. So it's long-term. That's, that's the main point I was trying to make with that. Yeah, definitely keep the, that long-term thought process and that, you know, it's, uh, you, you know, it's, you're going to be here for a while. So that's, that's why spending the time and doing all this due diligence on, you know, who you're partnering with, it is time well spent because you're, you know, this isn't, you know, this isn't just the, uh, you know, it's not like a three month flip on a single family home. You know, this is, this is we're we're on for, you know, like you, I, I love your Hawaiian flight because if you're flying from Dallas to Hawaii, you're going to be on the plane for a little bit, you know, yep. it's, it's going to take a while for you to get there to your destination. So, you know, just make sure that, you know, a, that, you know, you're prepared for a long flight, you know, that's, that's key for sure. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, what uh, what is something that my listeners, if is there anything that they can help you find or help you look for, or is there any way that my listeners can be of service to you? Is there any way that they can help you with anything that you're working on? I work on deals in the Dallas area. I'm constantly underwriting deals in Dallas. I have a good relationship with brokers. So I'm always interested in partners. If they're interested in investing in Dallas, whether they're limited partners or they can raise some capital from where they are and join me as a co-GP or a joint venture partner, that's always uh, of interest to me. I like to constantly expand my network. Um, I always look for complementary skills. So I think I can cover the Dallas side pretty well. I don't need another person necessarily who lives here, but more of someone with expertise, maybe in accounting, or maybe they have a strong construction background of doing rehabs, et cetera, right? So we can all complement our skills and together make a good team. And uh, always looking for limited partners who like the Dallas market for investments because um, uh, Dallas is just doing so great from an economy and recession standpoint. In fact, usually when there's a recession in the rest of the United States, it feels like Texas chooses not to participate quite as much. (laughs) I'm a big fan of Dallas in that sense. So anyone interested in the Dallas market, for sure, reach out to me. Um, I have a website. If anyone wants a passive investors checklist that I have, you can visit my website and put your name and email and I can send it to you. Uh, my website is multifamilyforyou.com, where the four is a number four and the U is spelled out Y-O-U. So multifamily number four Y-O-U.com. And uh, I'll send you a checklist to vet a sponsor if that's of interest. Or if you want to talk about something else, you can just type a message uh, at the bottom of the screen and let me know what you'd like to talk about. Awesome. Awesome. I hope that my listeners out there, that they take you up on that offer, especially on the checklist, because I, I think, I think we can always, uh, you know, even if you have a checklist, seeing somebody else's checklist is always, a, a always really cool for me is because it's like, look, there's usually at least one question on there that I did not think of, or I hadn't seen before that you go, Oh, that is awesome. Or if you're a newbie, it gives you a whole complete checklist to mm-hmm. to go through. And it, it just, it gives you that basis to be able to work off of. Mm-hmm. 
So awesome. I thank you for uh, offering that out to my listeners. Um, and my uh, my next thing that I usually ask people are is, what is a, an educational tool, you know, a book, a podcast, a, a webinar that you would suggest that somebody either pick up and read or or listen to? I think it depends on your goal and what you want to learn. But um, for passive investors, I like this book by James Kandasamy. And he has a really good book for passive investing. And um, for underwriting, I like a new book that a friend has written. His name is John Stober. So I can send you the name of that book. But it's how to analyze big buildings and make them feel small. And it's by John Stober. And I like that book for just if you want to learn how to underwrite, you know, don't get intimidated. Look at the individual things. And he's got it very nicely, neatly organized in this book. And overall, of course, for syndication, I still like uh, the book by Joe Fairless, the best ever apartment syndication book. That's um, that. Yeah, that's that's my go to. It's like, look, I read that and I was like, you know, especially when I first started, I read it. I'm like. This gives you such a foundation. It's like, look, there's there's still more that you need to know. But mm-hmm. if you want that 30,000 foot view and mm-hmm. probably even a little bit deeper than that. But, you know, if you want that high view on it, that is an amazing book that as thick as it is, it reads pretty quick. So, yeah. uh, you, you know, that's a That's a very good one. I, I mean, Joe's book is Joe mm-hmm. and Theo. They, they did an amazing job on that book. It's probably my favorite multifamily book, especially for, uh, you know, somebody that's, that's just getting in and just learning, you know, learning the ropes. I think it, it digs in very, very deep and does a very thorough job. Um, and, um, you know, so, so I, I second, and my listeners have heard me rave about that book more than once. <laughs> yeah, they probably haven't heard about this new book by John Stober. It just came out very recently. So it hasn't, quite spread out like Joe's book does. But this is a nice little book just for people to underwrite. And uh, he's got his own tool as well that I think he's going to market at some point. But it really breaks it down very simply into several separate topics. So you can just look at it one at a time. What is rubs versus uh, what's an, you know, NOI, things that affect the NOI. How do you look at the rent roll? How do you look at legal costs? You know, every little cost is broken down nicely. So it helps you get a realistic way of determining the purchase price of an apartment. So I like that. Awesome. Awesome. I'm always looking for new books that kind mm-hmm. of help you get, get your education and, and, and hand you more tools and tools and tricks because, you know, it's like, look, uh, it's always nice to add an extra tool to your toolbox. <laughs> Even if you have a very similar tool, you know, if it's yeah. like, this one's a little bit different, this one does yeah. a little bit things different that it's like, look, um, you, you know, it, it's all, uh, it, it all just helps you build that base of knowledge so that you can be a competent and confident investor. So, yeah, the more the education, the less of a gamble it becomes. So it always starts with education, no matter what type of investment you're looking to do. Okay. And what is what my, my last and final question is, how do you like to give back to your community? So in our apartment communities, we have a community event every month. Last month for Thanksgiving, we had free uh, turkey for all our residents. So a week before Thanksgiving, we handed each resident a large 15-pound turkey, and they were very thrilled to have that. Awesome. 
um, for Christmas, where we did a Santa's mailbox so kids could put in their wish list, and then we made sure the parents were aware of it. Uh, we also are doing a door prize contest, door decorating contest. Um, and then for Halloween, we had a costume contest, but everyone posted their pictures online rather than coming in person. And then we handed out goodie bags at their doors. So we didn't have large crowds just to be COVID compliant. But we tried to do something for the residents to know that we appreciate them and to bring the community together at a time like this when people are tending to feel isolated and people have lost jobs, et cetera, that the building that community is so important. Definitely. That that sense of community and that sense of belonging to where you are, that is such a huge key. And, you know, because I've you know, personally, I've lived places where it just felt like, you know, I was a number. I didn't know anybody and those mm-hmm. weren't really enjoyable. And then I've been places where I've known my na- neighbors and I've I've understood my neighbors. And, I, and you know, it feels more more at home. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, that's it's uh, and, and if you feel like it's more at home, you you take more pride and ownership and, and you're happier. Uh, you know, when you have pride, you're happy. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just it that's a that's an amazing thing. I think that is uh, I, I really like that idea of making mm-hmm. sure that you're you know your your tenants know that you care and that they know that you're there and that's that's an amazing thing i like that thank you well i thank you for uh oh uh let's see is there any other way besides the website for my listeners to get a hold of you or is that the best way for them to to contact you uh it's just to give me their name and email address over there and that way i can know what they want to talk about. And it's an easy way if they can type a message as well. It's just multifamilyforyou.com. Very easy website, the four being the number four and you is Y-O-U. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on this show. Thank you for sharing the education and the tips and tricks with my listeners. And I look forward to uh, having you on again and, and, Uh, passing on some even more education to my listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.